is out of 1 Kings 12, 28 through 31. Then he went out and found the body lying on the road with the donkey and the lions and the lion standing beside it. The lion had neither eaten the body nor mauled the donkey. So the prophet picked up the body of the man of God, laid it on the donkey, and brought it back to his own city to mourn for him and bury him. Then he laid the body in his own tomb and mourned over him and said, Alas, my brother. After burying him, he said to his sons, When I die, bury me in the grave where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. Brother Chuck Richardson, would you pray over this service tonight for us? Amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. I'm going to go ahead and read our declaration and then uh, kind of get into the word tonight. They'd go ahead and put that on the screen. You guys will say it with me. It's been a while since I get to say it, so if I stumble, just forgive me, okay? Lord, today by faith, we declare that we were walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, I said it wrong, health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. We declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Can you give God praise? You don't need to adjust your television sets. If you had heard uh, there was somebody else supposed to be preaching tonight, uh, I was asked by Pastor Randy to go ahead and let you know. Uh, pastor Zach, our youth pastor, was supposed to be preaching tonight, but I do just want to share with the church, um, if you have not heard, uh, we have a new member in our church right now, and uh, his name is Owen Michael Bogus. Zach and Amy's baby has arrived, and he is doing well perfectly healthy. Mama is doing good. Can we give God praise and thanks for that? I do have a little funny story there. The other day, we, uh, as a staff, he texted all of us and said, hey, guys, be praying. We're, we're heading in and everything. And the next text that came up, you got to understand, if, you're, if you ever get to be around the staff and everything during the weekday, me and Zach would be considered the practical jokesters. I think Melody would probably agree with that. We like to just ag on people, kind of have a little fun. And the first text that comes up is Melody. Are you at the hospital? And I text Zach, I'd give you 100 bucks if you just text back to her right now. Say, no, I'm fishing. I'm heading that way. <laughs> Melody, he, he wouldn't do it, okay? He wouldn't do it. God is good, Amen. For the rest of this evening, I want to take uh, some thoughts from where uh, Shelby read, and thank you, Ms. Shelby, for helping me there, where she talked out of the first Kings, and I want to take some words and thoughts out of this um, that will make this word come alive and more relevant in our lives, and that word is simply this, influence. As we go through these verses and talk about influence, and if you were to put a title about what I want to share tonight out of all this, it would be this. 
What will you do with your influence? Influence is such a powerful thought. It's a powerful subject. There was an evil king in these days by the name of King Jeroboam, and something happened to this king where he had turned from God. And what God wanted to do, and this king started to worship and, and focus on worldly things and idols and false gods, even making sacrifices to these false gods. This king was doing well, all, doing all of this in this place, which is called Bethel, which means in Hebrew, the house of God. And this king is literally transforming the house of God into an evil place, a place of idol worship. And while he was doing all this, the Bible says a prophet came to him, a prophet from God who came into this place and started to prophesy against the king. Now, guys, I just want to say that's pretty bold. You don't really walk into the president or to the uh, king and start saying everything you're doing wrong. He would be taking a very huge risk and even face his life being taken away from him by speaking in the manner that he was going to have to to this king. But he knew that God had spoken to him over this matter and he was following the will of God. And this prophet began to prophesy that this king and his kingdom would not stand because of the behavior of this king and all the evil that he was doing. And if we look over at 1 Kings 13, 4, it talks about the king's reaction to what is being said by this prophet. And the king, understandably so, was not, being, was not enjoying what was being said. And it says, when the king heard what the man of God cried out against the author at Bethel, the king had stretched out his hand in a manner to do harm to him. And immediately in that moment, his hand shriveled up to where he could do nothing. And the king, seeing what had happened, was scared and was in shock. And he fell down and cried for mercy from the prophet and begged to have his hand restored. Amazingly, this prophet prayed for him and his hand was restored and healed. And the king came to this prophet with overwhelmed feelings and said, Come to the palace and have dinner with me tonight. Let me honor you. It even says at the verse 7, I will give you a gift. And the prophet said, I cannot because the Lord commanded me not to eat or not to drink in this land. In verse 8, it even says, if you were to give me half of your possessions, I would not go with you. I'm not interested in anything that you might have for me, said the prophet. I came here with a message from God, and he told me to leave this place, but not to even to take the same route that I took to get here when I leave. And if we go over to verse 10, the prophet starts his journey leaving the king and the area he was in. You know, this would be a great story that if it all stopped right there, but that's not where it stops. Because you see, something happens on the backside of the story that is unreal. Because you see, in the same area lived this old, backslidden prophet who once had a great anointing on his life, a great ministry. At one time carried the same prophetic words that God would back up the miracles that were hard to believe. But somewhere along the way, the king had bought this prophet's uh, favor and enriched this prophet with many things. And this prophet stopped uh, prophesying the word of the Lord. And the king pro uh, had paid this prophet to only speak good things over the kingdom. And this old prophet was just a shell of what he used to be. A man at one time who had a great anointing, great favor on his life. But now something had happened to him. Something had happened to the anointing and his gift from God. And this king was doing very evil things. This prophet is sitting at home silent because he's been bought and prayed for by the king. The gifting that he had isn't, isn't doing anything. It isn't moving anyone. It's not, there's no feeling behind it anymore. But one day this old prophet is sitting at home and starts to hear the, about this younger prophet from Judah. And you know, I could almost see his face as the boys came running in telling him all that the man had done that day. 
They saw that the king had confronted. They saw the hand wither. They saw the miracle sharing this with their father. And they came running home and were so excited they wanted to share all that had happened that day. And I'm sure those boys were saying things like, Dad, you won't believe what happened. And these boys kept going on and on. And I can kind of see how excited these boys might be to share something like this with their father. It's like the stories you once told us about, Dad. And this old prophet was moved because some of the feelings of the past, of something that he once had, you know, he, he could feel that again. He longed for those times from the past from what it used to be. And this prophet wanted so badly to feel those moves of God again, to feel the favor of God in his life, that the old prophet said, which way did he go? He said, I must go and find this young prophet and talk with him and bring him to my house. So he had his donkey prepared, and then he went out looking for the young prophet. And he found him as he was near the point of leaving the land, sitting under this oak tree, and he said to him, I heard of what God is doing through you, and I'm amazed by all this. Would you please come eat and stay with me so we could hear some more? And the young prophet gave him the same answer he gave the king. No, I must leave. Then in verse 18, the old prophet says, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel said to me by the word of the Lord, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. You see, that old prophet tried to talk him into coming and the young, he knew the young man was not going to disobey God. And the old prophet knew it. So then he went and he did something terrible. From what I shared in verse 18, but the ending part was this, he was lying to him. In that moment, everything changed because the younger prophet was like, well, if an angel told you, who am I to question this? You know, there was no angel. It was a lie that was all made up. And this young prophet was like, well, if an angel told you, I guess I'll go. And I thought of the verse over in Galatians 1.8, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let them be under God's curse. Just because it may look spiritual just because it may sound spiritual, folks, if it's not in the Bible, if it does not say, thus saith the Lord, you don't follow it, you don't go the way everyone else is going. There's a lot of doctrines of demons and other things where it seems like everything's okay and everything goes and you can go and pick and choose what makes you feel good in this world. Church, that's not the way this works. Not everyone is gonna go to heaven. Not everyone is gonna make it to the end. And just because there are good people, it's not good enough. Just being good is not good enough to get you into heaven. There is only one way. There is only one truth. There is only one life, and it is Jesus, and it is by his word. It is not by any other word. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ who wants us on a straight and narrow path. It's the gospel, and no, come, no, no man will come to the Father except by me. This young prophet, he goes to the home of the old prophet, and in my mind, I see things probably playing out like this. They're sitting around a table, and the old prophet is saying such thing as, tell me about this, tell me about that, tell me about that service, tell me about one song, tell me about that one time, tell me about this, tell me about that. And in my mind, I can see that old prophet, the shell of a man who once had this amazing anointing on his life, just sitting there, something had happened, and he had traded this amazing anointing for temporary things of this world. Now this younger prophet is sitting there and they are exchanging stories. And on my mind, I'm sure this old prophet is sharing his stories of the good times of how God had moved and did mighty works in his time. And all the stories continued. They had a great time, a meal, fellowship. And the old prophet begged him to stay the night. And the younger prophet says no and leaves and takes off on the donkey, gets down the road. And shortly after starting, he is killed by a lion. Shortly, people pass by and see what has happened, and the word gets back to the town of this old prophet. 
Word was going throughout the entire town that this prophet who had touched the king and kingdom was now dead, and word quickly got back to the old prophet. The old prophet goes to see where his body is lying, and he finds the body with the donkey and the lion just sitting there. And the old prophet starts to weep, and he begins to pick up the dead body, brings it back to his house on the back of the donkey, and the old prophet buries this young man of God in his own plot, in his own tomb. And the prophet is weeping, he is crying, he is moved by what has happened because now it has fully dawned on him what he has done. He begins to weep because he realizes that it was my influence. This was a godly man who was going to do great things that had this incredible anointing on his life, but because of the influence I had, the influence I used in an evil way, it's destroyed everything. When that old prophet finishes burying him, the prophet turns to his boys and he makes a very odd request of them in verse 31, when I die, promise me this. Promise me that you will bury my bones in the same grave. Because if it wasn't for me, this prophet would still be teaching. If it wasn't for me, he would still be anointed. If it wasn't for me, he, would be, he wouldn't be in this grave. If it wasn't for me, he would have been altering the atmosphere of the nation. I know I've taken some time to go through all this in chapter 13 of Kings. But what I want to talk to you guys about is this. What will you do with your influence? The personal influence that one person can have over another, it can be for good or it can be for evil. When Adam was in the garden, the Bible says he was alone and it was not good for him to be alone. Why? Because no one can have influence if they are by themselves. And as soon as God gave him Eve, suddenly influence had begun in the world. Influence is such a powerful thing. Whether you believe it or not, your influence matters, each and every person. Influence is so powerful that Paul said in Romans 14, 7, for none of us live to himself and no one dies to himself. In other words, when you die, the same place that your bones are laid spiritually will have an influence on your children and on the people that knew you, and they will go by the same route that you went into eternity. None of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. Your influence can take good people and make it bad, or it can take bad people and make it good. Your influence is very, very, let me say it again, very important. The influence you have in this world over each and every person that you know and associate, come in contact with, is very important. It's a, it's a steady influence that will have the impact on us the most. We all cast a shadow, and that shadow can be one of healing, or it can be one of destruction, addiction, and bondage. Think about the kind of influence that the women and the man in the Bible have that still speaks to us today. We think of Abraham who birthed three major uh, beliefs. Moses, the man who uh, God appeared to through a burning bush and said, go and set the captives free. He brought the Ten Commandments, still that influences us today. Paul, a man who used to go by the name of Saul who persecuted and killed many, many Christians Yet by the mercy and grace of God, he was miraculously saved, transformed, and went on to have a ministry that still influences the church today. When I think of people of influence from the Bible that are still having influence today, I think of people like David. I think of the disciples. I think of Nehemiah. I think of the struggles of Job. I think of the Jacob's wrestling match. You know, I think of young people who are so easily, easily influenced. Whose influences are you following? If that young prophet had not followed the wrong influence, he no doubt would have gone to have great things. But influence changed everything. Influence cut off the destiny that he had been called to. 
Influence can destroy your calling. It can destroy your purpose. Whether you want to hear it or not, I promise you I found this out in near 40 years of living. It matters who you hang out with. It matters who you allow to speak into your life. It matters who you listen to, and it matters who you allow your children to be influenced by. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You can be a good person, a godly person, meaning and wanting to do right, but if you allow the influence of evil into your life or into your home, it can take it the wrong way. Sometimes young people and even older people, we want to try and influence others. And I found this story about a student who was in college and he had a big test coming up that he hadn't prepared for. It was a midterm paper, a big test, a huge part of his grade would be determined by this. And he heard the professor was a Christian and the student never read, never studied the Bible, but he found this verse and he wrote it on top of the paper after he tried to pass the test and he went and laid the paper on the desk and the words he wrote on the paper were this. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall attain mercy. The professor saw this, grabbed his paper, and gave him the terrible grade his paper deserved. But he wrote a verse down at the bottom of the paper and gave it back to the student. And the words were this, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The young man was trying to influence someone, but it didn't work. We should strive to be someone of great influence in our lives because God wants us to positively impact those around us. The Duke of Wellington made this comment. I consider Napoleon's presence on the battlefield equal to 40,000 men. Guys, that's influence. The Duke said, if I see him, if I see him on the field, it carries the weight of 40,000 soldiers instead of just one man being on the field. Your influence or the weight of the influence you have has a lasting effect more than you will ever know. In Revelations 4.13, I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. It's not over. The influence, the works you have left, if used in a correct setting and in the correct influence, will leave a path for generations to follow. But on the same thought, they can leave a path to follow, you know, for blessings and ministry and miracle, but they can also leave a path of destruction and of bondage. You know, your children and your family, they may get off the path in life and not always have their eyes set on the correct things. But if we have the right influence and we stay the course, they will see it and they will respond to it. I found this story about a lady when I was researching topics on the word of influence. And she was from New York City who was a cook and her name was Mary. And she cooked for many wealthy families in her time. And the year 1907, I know many of you all probably know this story with everything that we have going on right now. But in 1907, a terrible disease called typhoid fever broke out. It went from one house to another, from one family to another, from one community to another. And as they were trying to find out what had happened and where was this all coming from, they found one thing in common. This lady Mary had been in every house. The newspapers got a hold of this information and they nicknamed her Typhoid Mary. This lady was a walking time bomb of typhoid fever. Ever she, where she went, she unknowingly contaminated people and people were dying by large numbers. And she ended up disappearing for a few years. But later, this, this thing came back. Guess who was there? Mary. During her time of confinement, she was tested. I want you to get a hold of this. She was tested 163 times. 120 times it came back positive. 
And it says this in a medical journal. A journal. Yet no one ever attempted to explain the Mary, the significance or influence of being a carrier of what she had inside of her. I want to read that to some people in here again. Yet no one ever attempted to explain to Mary the significance or influence of being a carrier of what she had inside of her. I did a search on the word influence, and its origin in Latin comes from the word influenza, meaning your influence can be spread even when you're not aware of it. There are spiritual typhoid Marys in this world. There are people that if you get around them, they're, gonna take, they're just going to suck the joy out of you. They're going to take your worship out of you. They're going to take that anointing away from you. They're going to take righteousness out of you. They will even take the very life out of you if you'll let them get in your life that way. You've got to be aware when they're around. What influence are you allowing onto your life? And the more you get around them, the more that they're going to try and influence, the more they're going to try and contaminate you to do what is not right. There are people that have evil influence and they are trying to influence you. And if you allow them into your life, church, you need to guard what you allow into your life. You need to guard what you allow into your home. You need to guard what your children are listening to. You need to guard what they're watching on that iPad, on that Xbox. You need to guard what they're doing on YouTube TV or, or Hulu or anything else. You need to guard it just as importantly for yourself. You just can't get around everyone and everything and think it's not going to have an effect on your life. It will have an influence on your life and you have to guard what is most important to you. Parents, you have to guard what is most precious to you. And I don't know about anywhere else, but I have these two sons who are everything to me. And my wife says to me a lot, even my mom says, you know, you're very overprotective of them. You know what? So be it. I am careful because I want to be aware of the influences that are being in their life. We as leaders, we as parents, mothers, fathers, aunts, uncles, cousins, whoever you may be, there are evil influences that are looking to attach themselves to our young people. There's a, in, in 2 Kings 8.27, there talks about a, a boy who has a father, and I'm going to try and pronounce his name. I may say it wrong. I'm not even going to try and pronounce it because I know I'll say it wrong. And he walked in the house of in the way of the house of Ahab, and did evil inside the Lord like the house of Ahab, for he was a son-in-law of Ahab. Guys, it just mentioned right here, parents, and if you would read in this right here, mom and dad were evil. They were doing bad things. Guess what the child did? He saw what they were doing. He followed along. We've got to be careful about what we're doing in front of our children. We've got to be careful about the things that we speak over our children's life. You can't just say it's nobody's business of how I live. I'm not messing anyone up. I'm not asking anyone to follow me. Guys, it's your influence. It's very real in a person's life, and it's saying more than words ever will. There's a power of influence that will live on even after we die. The influence is passed from one generation to another to another. And even when someone dies and has been gone for years, their influence will still carry on. The influence of Abraham still speaks today. Moses still speaks of miracles. David still speaks of worship. Joshua still speaks of walls coming down. Paul still speaks to me of keep going, finish what is in front of you. When I think of so many who have passed from this life, yet they are still speaking today because of the influence they had from the Bible. Think of the ones in your own personal life. I use her a lot as an illustration, but I think of my grandmother who's been gone for about 14 years now. 
she still has an influence on my life. If she can have an influence on my life, I can have an influence on my children that can pass an influence onto their children. What kind of influence are we doing? I remember to this day those moments of influence that have been passed over my life over these last 40 years of other pastors I've sat under, other ministers, people who have prayed over me. The power of influence can grow from generation to generation, but we have to guard it as we pass it down. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver or gold. I can't say it enough, guys. We've got to guard the influence of our families. Your influence is contaminating those around you either for good or for bad. If we go over into Exodus 32, we find the story of Moses leaving Aaron in charge of everything. And we know what happened when Aaron fell and didn't do the right thing when Moses came back and was back from hearing from God. And Moses is like, what happened? Aaron, I left you in charge of this. What happened? And in verse four. Verse 24, it's Aaron saying, I told them whoever has gold or jewelry, take it off. And then they gave me the gold and I threw it in the fire and out came this calf. I don't know about anybody else, but I read that scripture. I'm kind of wondering if my son wrote it. You you, you walk through the house and Peyton, what, what happened here? How did this happen? I don't know, dad. I'm like, oh my Lord, it's history repeating itself. I did this once. What you see, what happened was this. Aaron was forming and molding and using his influence to create what was in front of them. You see, you can't say I didn't ask them to follow me or I didn't tell them what I was doing. But between what they were, between what they are, there is you. Whether you like it or not, you are influencing people more than you know and you're influencing either bad habits or good habits. You are the one influencing those habits. You are the ones that are influencing those ideas that they're growing up with. You are the one influencing those friends that are around them. You are the one that are influencing those children that lay their head down in, your, in, in their rooms at night. And one day, each and every one of us are going to have to get, stand in front of God and give an account of our life. And God's going to ask each and every one of us, what did you do with the influence I gave you? If Pastor John and the worship team would go ahead and come up, please. You know, it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, Paul writes this, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful for me. Meaning just because you can doesn't mean you should. I'm gonna repeat that for all the kids and teenagers in here, okay? Because I wish I would have learned that a lot sooner in my life. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. You are influencing more than you know. Eyes are watching, ears are listening. You are influencing your friends, you are influencing those around you, and what will you do with your influence? Guys, I'm just gonna say this. You should serve God. You should serve, love, honor Him, because He is a God of mercy, of grace, and of love. And if you say, you know what, I'm not gonna do this, I don't want to, I don't need to, and I want you all to hear my heart on this. Even if you won't do it for yourself, if you won't do it for your own soul, why don't you think about those that are looking around and following you? 
If, folks, if you're not over the age of 16, let me clue you into something if you haven't figured it out yet. But in this church, there are bright, shiny-eyed kids under, the, under sixth grade that are watching and seeing everything you do. You say you don't believe that? Come watch my kids' church. You know who they look up to most in this church? It's these teenagers over here. They are watching everything they do. They want to be like them so bad. But we have to be careful about the way that we influence people. These children are watching every move we make, everything that you're saying. I'll tell you, they are, they are amazing. They can remember everything you said, everything you did. I asked my son two, two days ago, did you do what I tell you to? He says, no. But then when we're in Walmart, he says, Daddy, remember three weeks ago at 4.37 in the afternoon, you said I could have that toy? They got a memory when they want to. As we're transitioning this time where the sermon's gonna come to the end, I wanna share just a few last things here. There's this story of a man named Matthew who was a very successful businessman. Everyone all over town wanted him when they needed help. Again, from a worldly standpoint, very successful. Everything a person could want. Wealthy, was married, had a family, had a great place to live. Everyone wanted to be this guy. But Matthew had this problem. Every day he would go by the local bar and he would enjoy a drink or two and then he would go on about his day. But one morning as he got up to leave and he walked to the bar, he noticed something was different as he was walking to the bar. There was this fresh snow on the ground and as he approached the door, he noticed a sound behind him as he was getting ready to walk into this bar and he turned to see these footprints that he had left. And in that fresh snow, there was his son following every footprint he had made. And at that moment, the man realized, I'm influencing him and I never said a word. I came to this thought as I was studying this weekend. And if you go into the book of Exodus in the 19th chapter, this is the story where the people of Israel are coming with Moses are coming to Mount Sinai. And I want you guys to stay with me here for a second. As God was talking with Moses, as he was telling him to tell the people, they needed to prepare themselves because he was getting ready to visit them. He told them to clean themselves, to be ready, to be prepared. He was coming and he instructed Moses, you set the boundaries of where, the, where they come to the base of the mountain. Wherever you set it, they can't come on the other side of it. So what Moses did, he went and what, what he did was basically this, guys. He set these barriers up like this. And he instructed the people for three days, when it's time to go, we don't go past this point. If you do, you're gonna lose more than you ever thought possible. You're gonna lose your life. And I'm speaking to every person that's a person of influence in this room. It's time with the world that we're living in and everything we're facing, everything that keeps coming at us, I'm gonna to talk to fathers for a second. Fathers, it's time we set up some barriers in our homes. It's time we set up some boundaries. It's times that we say, this is where we go and we don't go any further. There's no negotiating. There's nothing about it. You live in my house. This is the way it's gonna be. If you don't like it, tough. 
If they start threatening to leave, tell them, ask them how they're gonna leave. Because I dare say most of those cars are in your all's name anyway. When they start saying, well, I'm gonna take all this with me, ask them what they paid for lately. I guarantee you they're not gonna go long. I remember when I was 13 years old, got so mad at my dad, I packed up everything I thought I owned. I got it in one bag and it was a Walmart bag. I didn't even have a toothbrush. I came back real quick when I realized what influence I had over my life. And guys, what we need to do, and I'm talking to every person in here, we've got to take these boundaries and say for me and my house, no, no, no. When those kids start coming at you and they start going like this, here's one family and you're over here and they're over here going saying, well, their dad does let them do this. They let them go over here and do that. I said, no, they're not gonna like me very much, Pastor Mike, if I do that, whoop-dee-doo. You're not intended to be their best friend. My, my two boys, Peyton and Cooper, they're gonna have plenty of good friends in their life. They're only gonna have one father. That's my job. I'm their father. I'm the ones who are gonna instruct them. I'm the one who is gonna have the greatest influence on my children. Because I say in my house, no. What we gotta do, we gotta band together some of you dads. Some of you guys gotta band together and say, you know what? We gotta have the same standards in our homes. We gotta have the same barriers up because guys with everything these last days that we're living in, we gotta have some standards. We gotta be separate from the world. This is my prayer as a father. I want the footprints that I'm leaving behind me to be a righteous path for Peyton and Cooper. God, guard my mind, guard my heart. God, help me to lead my family and my sons down a path for you and not a path of destruction. So tonight as we close, I got a simple question. What are you going to do with your influence? For me, I can only answer for myself, but there will be no greater influence for my sons than me. And what I wanna to do tonight is a time of prayer, a time of altar call is if you feel comfortable with it by coming to the front, so be it. If you wanna stay where you're at and pray as a family, that's fine. But if you would, I want you to join as families tonight. Come up here. Somebody take the lead right now. You bring your family up here and say, hey, we're gonna to pray together. And we're gonna set some barriers in our homes right now that we're not crossing. Well, Pastor Mike, my family's not here tonight. We're a church family, join together right now. Start praying over your families that this is the line and we're not crossing it. We have a standard in our home. We're gonna set the standard for our kids, for our grandkids. Start praying over your families right now, guys.